Welcome to the Messenger Podcast, where our mission is to develop uncompromising followers of Christ who transform our world. We want to use this podcast to share truths that will position you to experience God's best for your life and in your world. My name is Matt Joya, and joining me in studio is none other than Arden Bevere. Hey, Matt. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Arden, I'm excited. You are engaged, and you're going to be married soon. Is that true? I am engaged. I'm going through the fun process, finding a home, finding cars, and going through the wedding planning. So it's crazy because I just did a a podcast with your brother the other day, and um, he was going through the same thing. And so I want to ask you, what are you looking forward to getting married the most? I mean, he's just trying to be like me. I, I mean, I got engaged and then he tries to get engaged a couple of days later. Uh, but, you know, the thing I'm looking forward to the most would probably be just doing life with a partner, like someone who's on the same page with you and wants uh, same, like, ins- same dreams and, and things, goals that they want to see together. And so I'm pretty excited about that. Well, I'm excited for you too, Arden. And, uh, I want to jump into the message. You preached a powerful message on the fear of the Lord. Now, John has an entire book and study on the fear of the Lord, but I really felt like you were able to share some new perspective and kind of some new things that that I hadn't heard before. So I really enjoyed this message. And so I don't want to take any longer. Let's go ahead and dive into it. And then we'll come back on the other end and we'll begin to break it down. Yeah, sounds great. Let's do it. I'm excited because I'm sharing about a topic that I told Brooke a couple weeks ago, I was like, Brooke, we need to do a sons and daughters post on this because I feel like it's missing from our generation or people are not even talking about it. And it's, the, uh, it, it's, a, it's something that's so profound, something that we need to grab hold of. And last week, um, we went through the whole session of learning to learn. And I thought, I was like, this is amazing. And then I went into my day and I was like, okay, now I've got to actually start applying it to my life. And I was like, you know, it's great in the moment because you hear it, but then you're like, okay, well, how do I apply it to my life? And so um, I think it's interesting because I started thinking about, well, what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? And so I went through the the, uh, book of Proverbs and the book of Proverbs, the first nine chapters talks all about wisdom, what it is, what it looks like, how do you receive wisdom, how do you receive correction. And so I started going through this and I was like, okay, well, what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? And I I thought about this, that knowledge builds a house where wisdom builds a home. So with knowledge, you can have up all of the walls, you can have the rooms, you can have everything up there, but yet you do not have a home. So knowledge is structure without life. So there's nothing wrong, you still need the foundation, you need knowledge but yet it does not have life. And I love it because the book of Proverbs, it talks about, it says, if you have to spend everything you have, go after wisdom and knowledge. If it costs you everything, it's well worth it. And so we need to be people that are going after wisdom and knowledge. And I love it because Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs and he was the wisest man to ever be. And he will be the wisest man that will ever come. And so he, uh, he asked God, God said, I can give you whatever you want. And he asked God, he said, God, I want wisdom. He said, I want wisdom to be able to tell the difference between good and evil. And God looked at him and said, because you have asked this and not for all these other things, he said, I will grant it to you, which shows us something right there is that, you know, Solomon was a king and we as sons and daughters of God, You know, we're called to rule in this life, rule in the kingdom of God. And so that wisdom will not only help you rule a kingdom, but it will also help you rule your soul. And because it's just like the Bible says, you know, what is it if you gain the entire world, but yet 
lose your soul. You can have all of the knowledge in the world, but yet still not be wise. And so when we look at Solomon's life, we look at all the things. Solomon was a man who wanted personal experience. He went out and he tried everything and he was like, it's all meaningless, but he tried every single thing. And we joke around here because we have a guy who comes in, his name's Lyle, and he, he always says, he's like, whoever came up with the saying, personal experience is the best teacher. He's like, that is a total lie. He's like, other people's personal experience is the best teacher. He's like, why would you go through it if you don't have to? And I think it's so interesting because we have the word of God, which is personal experience that we get to read. We get to take the wisdom from Solomon, all his faults, all his follies, all the things that went on um, all throughout the Bible. And we get to learn from it. And so the, it's really interesting. But when I was looking at wisdom, I was like, okay, well, what, like, what is wisdom? And so as you guys know, probably fair and well, and this was the topic that I talked to Brooke about. I said, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And it was hilarious because a couple months ago, I looked up sermons on the fear of the Lord because I just wanted to, I wanted to learn more about it. And it was funny because I saw a, a video from my dad from like early 2000s, late 19, 1990s, got a mustache and everything. But then as I was scrolling through, I realized none of the preachers that were on there were younger preachers. They were all much older preachers that, you know, just, I don't know, they just, it, it was not like fresh new messages that were coming out recently. And so I started thinking, well, we're not, we're not talking about the fear of the Lord. And I think here at this ministry, we have had such a healthy upbringing of what is the fear of the Lord. And I wanted just to give you a quick kind of, kind of definition of what is fear of the Lord. And, and these are some words that are similar to it. So the first word is awe, it's reverence. It's adoration, it's honor, it's worship, it's confidence. It's knowing that when God says he's going to do something in your life, you knowing that you can take that to the bank. It's thankfulness that you know, the Bible says, enter into the thrones rooms with thankfulness. Uh, thanksgiving, uh, it's love, and yes, it is fear. And so we've got to understand, okay, what is a healthy understanding of fear? Because in today's world, I've heard it said, the, the scripture, perfect love casts out all fear. So there's no fear in my relationship with God because it says right there, perfect love casts out full fear. There's no room for fear. And which I'll get to that. So we've got to figure out, okay, well, what is healthy fear? Because the Bible talks about it. All throughout the Bible, you'll see examples. I mean, I know from my life, when I was younger, I didn't understand what fear of God was. And I thought, I was like, okay, I saw God as this big judge, executioner kind of thing. Like, I'm scared. And every time I was in my dad's meetings, I was like, okay, how awkward would it be if I walked up there and got saved because I need to get saved after like hearing that message? I was like always thinking my dad would be going down the road, shaking people's hand, and he'd be like, Ar Arden, you, you got saved when you were a kid. What are you doing? But I, I like, I had this fear inside of me. I was like, oh my gosh, I would hear the message. And I'm like, I need to get saved all over again. And I was like, that was not healthy fear. So all throughout scripture, there is examples of healthy fear. And I'm just gonna read through these. But you see, in the beginning in Genesis, Joseph wins his brother's trust when he declares he's a God-fearing man. Like that makes you feel better about someone. In Exodus, it was the midwives who feared God that they did not obey the authorities and they spared the Hebrew babies. Then you go further in Exodus and you see Moses chooses his leaders. I love this. Chooses his leaders by one quality is that they feared God because he knew they wouldn't take bribes. You go again in, in, um, in Exodus and it tells the Hebrews that God met them in a terrifying display of his power so that they wouldn't sin. He met them in this terrifying way because he's like, I know this is going to keep them away from sinning. I'm like, it's healthy. Um, the Mosaic law cites that fear of God 
the fear of God as a reason to treat the disabled and elderly well. And then if this, if you think that those are all Old Testament, but then in the New Testament, it's talked about in Matthew, which I love this. Jesus is saying it stronger than anyone else. He says, do not be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell which I know that's like, you're like, whoa, okay. But like, it, it just keeps going. And so we're, I'm going to keep going through it. So Matthew or Corinthians, I love this. Paul says, we work to complete holiness because we fear God. So there is all throughout scripture, there are healthy ways of how fearing God kept people from their sinful nature. You know, that's why when we hear someone's a God-fearing man, we we want to trust them because we know we're not going to get deceived. We know that they're going to uphold their word. You look in Romans chapter, chapter 3, it's this kind of the chapter on sin. Um, it says that uh, our chief sin, so our chief, you know, think about it, like chief operating officers, CEOs, CFOs, everything filters down through them, right? It kind of starts up at the top and it filters down. So it's saying our chief sin, in other words, this is where it's filtering down from. Our chief sin is that we have no fear of God at all. So if we just address the chief sin, it will filter down. And I love this quote because here, here's, here's what we need to do is we need to shift our perspective. We need to shift our thinking. So this quote by William D. Eisenhower, I, I love this quote. When I saw it, I, I freaked out. Um, it says, unfortunately, many of us presume that the world the world is the ultimate threat and God's function is to offset it. How different is this from biblical position that God is far scarier than the world? When we assume that the world is the ultimate threat, we get it unwarranted power. For the truth is the world's threat is temporary. When, when we expect God to balance the stresses of the world, we reduce him to the world's equal. He says, as I walked with the Lord, I discovered that God possesses an anonymous threat to my ego, but not to me. I love that. He, my ego, but not to me. He rescues me from my disillusions so he may reveal the truth that sets me free. He casts me down only to lift me up again. He sits me down in judgment of my sins, but forgives me nonetheless. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but love from the Lord is its completion which I love that. So when you're going back to thinking about what is, like when people say perfect love casts out all fear, what's that talking about? Is that's talking about fear of the world. See, when we are fearful of something, we are enslaved to that thing. And what Eisenhower is showing, he's showing God is on another level. He's not just balancing the world and saying, oh, it's getting a little bit too rough. We got to just balance it out. He's saying no. And so it's what else is there? And just as John, John 15, 13 says, when Jesus died on the cross, or was talking about there's no greater love, no greater love than another one laying down their life for their friend. With love like that, what is left to fear but God? You know, there's holy fear. So, so I was uh, recently talking to Ben Fitzgerald, and he does these massive conferences all over, and they see amazing moves. I mean, my mom could tell you stories on stories of just amazing things that God has done through his life. And I asked him, I was like, Ben, I'm wanting to see this come back into our generation. So what is the difference? Like, what are you seeing is the problem? And he said, it's really simple. He said, you, he said, the problem with this generation is they fear man, not God. And he said, when they fear man, he said, they don't step out. They don't do things. And he said, even when they do step out, they sometimes they still have this fear of man of like, oh, what if God can't do something? Or what if it doesn't me praying over this person? What if that doesn't work? And so they fear man 
rather than God. And so they're not seeing God work through their lives in the full potential. And so when you're looking through the book of Proverbs, they mention and talk about there's four different types of people in the Proverbs. And so the first person is the simple person. And so I know for me, there's some, there's some simplicity in me because the simple person is a person that will hear knowledge. So they hear revelation. They'll hear maybe even God's word, but they will not apply it to their life. They don't maybe understand it. I think some areas we can say there's some simplicity to us. And so we just don't apply the knowledge or the revelation that we have received. The second one is the fool, which you guys know the scripture where it says the fool says in his heart, there is no God. I don't think that's talking about atheists. I actually think that's talking about people who do know there is a God, but yet inside their heart, they choose not to obey God. The fool is like, okay, look, I, I, I know there's a God, but I believe that my, my understanding for life is better than what God's saying is for me. And the third one is the mocker. The mocker is the fool taken to a higher degree. They're the people you will never be able to reason with. They're the people that you see on Instagram that are, are trying to get in fights. They're the, you know, the newscasters that are just arguing and debating with each other. Um, and then the last person, the fourth person, is the wise. And the wise person is the person that will take the correction and they will actually apply it to their life. And so in order for you to, if you ever want to figure out what's the difference between or how can I tell, it's when you correct these people, these are their different responses. So the simple person, when you correct them, they will not get it. They just simply won't get it. They won't understand how do I apply that to my life. The fool, they will just, they'll ignore you. They'll think you're kind of dumb and they'll think, you know what, hey, I, I know better than you. And they'll ignore you. The mocker will hate you and the wise person will thank you. So that's it. There's only one difference between a wise person and the fool is that the wise person actually just applies it to his life. He knows how to balance what is good for me and how do I apply it to my life. So when thinking about the fear of the Lord, I thought these are three things that could wrap up what the fear of God is. What is a healthy fear of God? And the first thing is, is that God, you are awesome. Just plain and simple. God, you are awesome. I stand in awe of you. I think for every single person in this room, there is probably something in your life, personal experience, where you just look back and you're like, oh my gosh, God, how did you do that? The second one is God, you are holy, which I love this because A.W. Uh, Tozer, he talks about, he says, I think, he said, when people think of God's holiness, what they do is they take a person that's extremely holy and they take him and what they try to do is they raise him to the highest degree that they can. And they're like, that's where probably God is, maybe just a little holier. Where God is not, God is infinitely holier, which means you would have to take that degree and you would have to raise it to infinity, which is something that you'll never get to. It's just continuing just to keep going and every single day a new facet of his holiness is being revealed to us. So the third thing, last thing, is that God is right. So right, holy, ah, God is right. Simply said, when you see it one way and God sees it another, it's written it another, God's right. It's just simple as that. It's, it's not going to change. It's, it's always going to be that way. It's going to be that way forever and ever. God's word is eternal and he is always right. And so the fear of God, when I looked it up in Logos and try to, try to be studious in my Logos pro, uh, software that I don't know fully how to work, uh, the fear of God, it said the proper attitude of awe and respect towards God. That's it. It's not being scared of God. It's being scared to be away from God. That's what my dad taught me when we were growing up. It's not, you're not afraid of him. You're just afraid to be away from him because there's nothing better in this earth. 
And I'll love and I'll finish out with this, but Psalms 19, I think this just so perfectly speaks why the fear of the Lord needs to be something that's prevalent in our lives and something that needs to be shared and talked about. Psalm 19 says, the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than, more, than, than much purer gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honeycomb, or than honey from a honeycomb. By them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is a great reward. And there is a great reward that comes with living in fear of God, is that you are no longer living in fear of man, which means you live courageously through this earth. So essentially saying is that when we fear God, we live fearlessly here on earth. All right, Arden, that was awesome. I want to really focus in on a key statement that you made um, in that message, kind of towards the beginning. You said, knowledge builds the house, but will wisdom builds the home. And so I, I love what you shared. How can we get more wisdom in our life? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, we talked about it all through that message is that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And, you know, we all want wisdom. Like, no one wants to be the the dumb person in the group or the, the dumb person in class. We all want wisdom. It's something we want to strive after. We, it's all something we want to pursue. And I love the idea that it starts with the fear of the Lord. And so wisdom is this thing that we, you know, the, the Bible says, if you have to sell everything to attain it, it's like, it's worth it. It's worth it to go after it. And so, you know, I think the, the practical of um, get, attaining wisdom versus knowledge is, is understanding what's godly wisdom in your life. And so knowledge is something like we can receive knowledge every single day, but until God touches and, and kind of infuses his life, his Holy Spirit shows his guidance, the illumination upon his word, that's when it turns into wisdom. Okay, that's so good, Arden. And, and I want to I pick up, you're talking about, the fear of the Lord is healthy. It leads, it leads to wisdom, but then the fear of man is unhealthy. So there's a healthy fear and there's an unhealthy fear. So I'm thinking there's a healthy ice cream and unhealthy ice cream. Like what can, a lot of our listeners are probably asking, how can fear be healthy? Can you kind of speak to both of those different types of fear? Yeah. So, I mean, the thing that I thought about first is that the other day I came downstairs and, you know, I was walking through my house and I was walking to the refrigerator and I stepped on something that seemed like a large rope. And I kind of kept walking and I was like, you know, what was that? And I turned around and there was, yet behold, a snake that I stepped on in our kitchen. And I mean, I have a healthy fear of snakes because I, in my mind, I'm like, snakes are scary. Snakes are bad for you. They, if they bite you, I'm like, there's a healthy fear of snakes where it's like, okay, I look at a snake and I'm like, that is something that's dangerous. And so I'm going to keep away from a snake. But there's an unhealthy fear where it's like, uh, it's keeping you from from something that is the best thing for your life. And, and so like, you know, a lot of people have uh, fears of maybe having conversations with people where, you know, we're supposed to be doing life together. And so it's it's an unhealthy fear that you have a fear of having these conversations or, or walking up into a group and, and putting yourself out there. It's unhealthy fear. Or maybe some people it's public speaking and it's like, you know, they, they're supposed to be public speaking, but they have this fear and it's like, it, it's keeping them from the best thing in their life where it's like you have a healthy fear of snakes. It's, it's keeping you away where you shouldn't have a fear that 
hey, if I'm in my home and there's a snake in my house, like right. that's not good. And I got to ask you, is does, is Alec behind that snake no, being in your house? I, I wish he was, which scares me even more because it, it makes me know that there's a snake that literally got into our house by itself and we still don't know how it got in there. Do we even know if it was by itself? Oh my because gosh. snakes travel in packs, right? Hey, don't, see, don't. I, I don't know. I haven't watched do National Geographic in a don't long time. <laughs> okay. Um, so you spoke a little bit in your message and you've just spoke to uh, cultivating that healthy fear in our life. So let's say somebody's listening right now and they say, I feel called to preach. I feel called to teach or I feel I feel called to do fill in the blank. But this is standing in the way. I'm afraid of people. I'm afraid that I'm going to fail. I'm afraid that I'm going to mess this up. I'm going to screw it up. So I'm not going to touch it. How can they begin to conquer that fear in their life. Yeah. So um, I talked about the quote in there about uh, Eisenhower's quote, where he talked about the balancing of the world. And he says, when we diminish God to the equal of the world, he says, we, we put all of our fears on the things of this world. And so we have this, this fear of man per se, or fear of things that are temporal, when we don't fear the God who is eternal. And so when people have fears that are, uh, whether that's the fear of man or, or the fear of public speaking, whatever it is, you are essentially ruled by that fear. And so you're ruled by something that is temporal. When you have a God who is eternal, when you have a healthy fear of him, you live by the eternal decrees, not by the temporal decrees and the limitations of this world, but you live by the blessings and the the extravagant gifts and the, the promises of a God rather than the limitations of a limited world. Right. And that's so good. And I, and I think, you know, all throughout script, scripture, we see that faith moves. Faith takes steps towards what God has placed in our heart and fear freezes. Fear gets us to focus in on ourselves. So you may feel like you're not traveling very far towards that, but every single day, it's like Token said, little by little, one travels far. And so we want to encourage all of our listeners to begin to identify that fear, cast it down, and begin to take steps towards what God has placed inside of your heart. So Arden, we're kind of running, bumping, bumping up against the clock. Is there anything else you want to share in our closing moments? Yeah. Um, I think just the most powerful thing that always spoke to me when I was growing up is that for us just to understand that the fear of God is not being afraid of God. It's being afraid of being away from him. And fearing God is actually something that brings us closer to him. Uh, it brings us closer to his decrees and it helps us step into the fullness that he has called us to live here on this earth. Arden, that is so good. Thank you so much for coming in today. Yeah, it's my pleasure, Matt. All right, we want to thank you all for joining us as well. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know how these messages and conversations are impacting you. And we would so appreciate it if you'd rate the show and even write a review. And if you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to share it with all of your friends on all of your social media platforms. That's it for today. Until next time. Thanks for listening to The Messenger Podcast. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review and be sure to subscribe and share these episodes through iTunes. You can connect with us through Facebook, Instagram, and through our website at messengerinternational.org. Until next time.